So for many good and uh, holy reasons, um, our gospel lesson should be familiar to you. Today's word, according to the witness of St. Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning at, the verse, at verse 9, Jesus said, Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, a grace to you all and peace from God our Father and from the Lord, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I learned this uh, little poem when I was a boy at one of the various uh, post chapels in Sunday school where my father was assigned uh, during his career in the army. Uh, Some of you may have learned this poem as well. Sunday school, summer church camp, vacation Bible school. It goes like this. You cannot say the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my. Nor can you pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for another. For to ask for our daily bread, you include your sister and your brother. All God's children are included in each and every plea from the beginning to the end of it, it does not once say me. So this little poem may not be the stuff that uh, earns literary awards, but it's profound, and it's profound because it's so true. And the truth of this poem is a great starting place this morning as we meditate on that petition Uh, in the Lord's Prayer of uh, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I know so many of you pray the Lord's Prayer on a very regular basis. We pray it every weekend that we gather for worship here at Faith. Uh, Many of you, um, like my wife Kirsten and me, with your morning or evening devotions, uh, when you're praying for your friends, your family, your children, your grandchildren, uh, people you know that are in need of our intercessions, include the Lord's Prayer in those daily devotions. And that's a good thing. It's a a godly thing. But what I have learned through the years, after being in conversation with people, Christians, mind you, who know, know the Lord's Prayer, it's written on their hearts, when you get into theological conversations with people, you find out that some who, who pray the Lord's Prayer actually um, take issue with some parts of it. Um, And some people take issue with this petition of give us this day our daily bread. And I hope in this morning's meditation you'll come to understand what I mean and realize that, um, you know, for those of us who who walk in the light, who walk with Christ, uh, there is nothing for which we should take issue in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Jesus teaches us truth and life. So we begin with um, give us. Just two words, give us. You can't say that part of the prayer 
without understanding and accepting and rejoicing in the fact that God is the giver who gives to us. He gives, the Lord gives, and we receive. Give us. God is provider, and we are the ones who benefit from his provision. Yet I've met more than a few church people who don't think that way. And they're a lot like a gentleman that many of you know from childhood, uh, Oli, the Norwegian farmer in North Dakota. And I'm not talking about Oli, his cousin in Minnesota, or his other cousin Oli in South Dakota. This is Oli, the North Dakota Lutheran farmer. And there was a new pastor assigned to the parish, and he was out in the country visiting all of the people who didn't live right there in town. And it was uh, in the fall, and the pastor was there with Oli, um, looking over the crops. And the pastor said, oh, what a great year you've had. Look at this, the corn, the soybeans, the alfalfa. The pastor said, everything looks used wonderful. Uh, you will surely have a bumper crop this year, Oli. You and the good Lord have certainly made good and faithful use of the land this year. And, you know, Oli, um, he liked his snus. You know what that is? Just a little tobacco. And so he spit out a little snus and said, Oh, yeah, that's for sure, Pastor. But I tell you what, you should have seen this place a few years ago when the good Lord thought he could make a go of it by himself. <laughs> and you see, this um, <laughs> that's the attitude of a lot of Christians. Um, and it didn't originate with Oli or anyone in modern times. This attitude is as old as the Old Testament. Let me read for you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his promises. It is God who gives us the ability. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a gentleman here in Albuquerque. Uh, I was serving on the board of a, a nonprofit here in town and we were out soliciting uh, funds for a major capital campaign. And this gentleman, I mean, truth be told, uh, generates more income in one week you know, than most of us will earn in a year. And I got tapped out to go and talk to him and make the ask. And I was so blessed uh, by the conversation I had with this uh, brother in Christ. He's what our culture would call, you know, a self-made millionaire. But he knows better. And he knows that there's nothing about him that's self-made. So as I went to make a solicitation for a major gift, he told me, how he thanks the Lord above each and every day and acknowledges God's provision and God's grace in all of his worldly success. As a Christian, he testified to me, he witnessed to me that he knows he's completely dependent upon God for all the resources that allow him to run his business and generate the wealth that is substantial. Uh, he gives God the glory, not himself, for the many jobs that have been created and the wealth that have been um, created by the company he started. 
And this is what he told me. Listen to this. He goes, you know, Pastor, I, I, I know that whoever it is around me, I know that, that the devil is near at hand. Whenever someone tempts me into thinking that I am unilaterally and independently responsible for all this success, he says, without God, I'd be nothing. Give us. Give us this day. Now, this prayer that Jesus taught was in response to his disciples saying, Lord, we're learning so many new things from you. Other rabbis, other teachers have taught their followers how to pray. Teach us how we should pray. And then Jesus responds by giving the Lord's Prayer that Christians have prayed through the centuries. And Jesus did not say when asked, how how should we pray? Um, Pray like this, give us enough bread for the next 30 years. Or even, even give us enough bread for the next 30 days. Give us today, this day our daily bread. And don't you think Jesus had, had a reason for that? It's not accidental. If we're honest with ourselves, I try to be honest with myself, I know you do the same, then many of us uh, will admit that, oh, it sure would be nice to just break free from the necessity of having to pray a prayer like this. We'd like to store up enough uh, stuff, wealth, money, possessions, so we don't have to worry or even pray about where we'll find our next meal. Oh, we just want to be comfortably well off, you know, not stinking rich, but we sure don't want to be like the people that we see on our streets, you know, wondering where they're going to find their next meal. And mind you, nowhere in Scripture does Jesus teach us that the Lord wants us to be poverty-stricken. The Bible doesn't teach us that we should strive for destitution and privation. But in this prayer, Jesus does want us to get into the holy habit of not only acknowledging the Lord's goodness, but relying upon the Father on a daily basis to live each day thankful for God's provision, to live each day to the fullest as a gift from the Lord. Um, I know that long-range plans are important uh, in your personal life and in your business. Even here at the church, you know, it's, it's good to have long-range planning. We spent almost five years studying senior pastor succession before we voted on it as a congregation. We had open forums, Q&As, presentations. Everyone was invited to study the same primary resources that led us to recommend this. We're in year two of a three-year process. It's, it's, it's good to plan ahead. But sometimes we can look so far into the future and become so preoccupied with what's out there on our 5, 10, 15-year plan that we fail to give thanks to God for the goodness of this day and for the grace and the mercy of the present moment. So by teaching us to turn to the Father daily and asking for bread, Jesus is reminding us to live in the now, fully aware of God's presence and remembering that God is the creator of heaven and earth. And we just get to occupy a space and a place for a few years until we see him face to face. We're called to be stewards of that which belongs to God. And we're to ask daily for bread. Now, daily bread refers not only to the food 
the, the nourishment that we need regularly. But if you study the scriptures, bread refers to all those things that are necessary for living. It certainly included a loaf of bread. That was a major food source, a staple for our ancestors in the faith. But daily bread does not refer only to the food, but all those things that are necessary for life. Daily bread is about needs, and we all have them. But daily bread is not about every single want. Daily bread is about necessities, to be sure, but it's not about the luxuries. Um, A college student may very well need a set of wheels, a car, to get to class and then to get to his or her part-time job. But that same student doesn't need a 2019 BMW. Some of the parents in this congregation have told me it was hard to teach their children that a 10-year-old Ford with 140,000 miles would do the job. There's needs and there's wants. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with a Beamer. I don't want your email. I don't want your comments. <laughs> a few years ago, a young married couple, I have their permission to share this. Someone at the 8 o'clock service said, Did you have their permission to share this? I never share anything without permission. I would never embarrass anyone, even though I don't mention names. But a young couple here at Faith were having trouble in their marriage, and they called to set up an appointment. And as they sat in my office, just behind the choir section in our office corridor, I asked them to tell me about their situation. They said, oh, does this sound familiar? We're always arguing about money. No matter what, we always get into arguments about money. We never seem to have enough of it. We wonder where it goes. Both were working full-time, but they said we never seemed to get ahead. They were dreaming of buying a house, but they were still renting their apartment, and they didn't think it would ever be possible for them to be homeowners. They said, we just don't have enough cash for even a down payment. And they were getting depressed, and they argued, and the husband said, you know, maybe I need to take a second job and work on weekends, or resign and find a job that pays better. And I asked them just, you know, to describe their day-to-day stewardship. You know, I'm not a financial planner, you know, but Kirsten and I, like a lot of you, have learned some things the hard way about home economics, right? And imagine my um, shock when they said, yeah, we, we spend about $70, $80 a day on food. And I was like, wow, you know, you're eating like filet mignon and tenderloin steak and $30 bottles of French wine. And I said, well, where do, you, where do you get your groceries? And they just laughed and said, oh, pastor, we don't, we don't like grocery shopping. We don't like cooking. Um, it takes too much time. We, we, we eat out a lot. I said, a lot? Yeah, like almost all the time. I said, don't you ever eat at home? Well, yeah, when we're sick. You know, and, and we order pizza. And then I said, you know, with what you just told me, with what you spend daily, you you do understand, don't you, that you're spending over $2,000 a month on food? And by the look on their faces, they hadn't done the math. You know, what they were spending on all those meals out could easily have covered a mortgage for a nice home, right? And so I got them connected to a Christian financial planner, and they got a a better feel for how they could manage their household affairs, and I'm happy to tell you that they now are living in a home that they're going to own. They're paying a mortgage. But they were confusing, you see, um, 
luxuries with necessities and vice versa, and they needed to learn the difference. Now, we may find that young couples' previous spending habits amusing, but if you have a daughter or a son like this, you may not find it amusing at all. But the truth is, many older and wiser Christians um, need to learn the same thing that that young couple needed to learn, that there is a difference between wants and needs. Daily bread is about needs. And as you think about daily bread in the coming week, and I hope you do as we celebrate Thanksgiving, I ask you, as I'm going to ask of myself, about priorities. I ask you, as a brother in Christ, as a fellow servant of the Lord, to think about your daily bread and what this means in a world that teaches us that we need more stuff and more possessions in order to be truly happy, and we need more stuff and more material possessions in order to be qualified as successful. And as you think about daily bread, I want you to pray on the differences between luxury and necessity, and think about Jesus and what he said when he was tempted. It's all there in the fourth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. He's been in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting the whole time. He's hungry. And the devil comes when our Lord is vulnerable, and he tempts him to turn these rocks into loaves of bread. And you remember what Jesus said. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that comes forth from the mouth of God. Yes, you and I need daily bread. We do. But we also need the Word of God. Daily bread will keep these bodies of ours alive for 70, 80, 90 years if we're fortunate. But daily bread won't give you or me eternal life. The healthiest diet in the world will not keep us from dying someday. But the Word of God can do this, and it does. So if you um, rushed out this morning and skipped breakfast and your stomach is growling in anticipation of brunch or lunch, as you sit at tables this week laden with so much good food, remember your greatest need. Remember your need for God and what Jesus has done to bring you to life everlasting in that place where there will be no hunger, no pain, no suffering anymore. Until that good and glorious day, God keep us faithful to Him and one another in love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.